In honor of some trends online, I'm going to dedicate this episode to that. family what's good how you doing i forgot my intro (laughs) the way i usually start but um you know how you guys doing um it's september the first you know summer is pretty much over next week the children start school a lot of people go back to work and uh we get back into the whole thing of going back into these holidays until december which is christmas and then we go into January, which is New Year's, and then that starts the whole thing until we get to the springtime, and then, you know, we all automatically fall back into the summer. So today's episode sparked my interest, and I wanted to do today's episode based off of the trend that happened online, which basically manifested itself into real life, which was the Popeyes thing. And, uh, you know, the reason why I'm looking at this and I'm not I don't I, I know I have my time to make my little judgments on social media. But um, today I was just looking at it in a very uh, marketable standpoint. And what was the cause of this big frenzy of a franchise like Popeye's winning over a targeted audience in order to sell a limited supply of a product? which is chicken sandwiches. There's a lot of work we need to do, family. I love you. I'm there for you. Whatever you need me to give you advice on and talk about, I'm always open ears and an open heart. This whole thing about the Popeye's business had me think about finances, had me think about when businesses are trying to sell a product what angles and what tools are they going to use to have these people buy their products? You know, we live in a capitalism society. Everything is money. Money makes money. You work because you want to make money to take care of yourself by living in an apartment house or having a place to just rest your head. You know, you need money to buy food. You need money for, uh, I was going to say shelter, but I bring that up the first part. Um, you need money to 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 move around. You need money to go places. You need money to take care of your kids if you have kids. You need money to take care of your pets if you have pets. You need money to, I don't know, you know, like I said, buy food or whatever you need. Or buy clothes. That's what I meant. Buy clothes. I'm the type of man that I'm a minimalist. I don't really believe in spending a lot of stuff or money. Like, I don't really care for a lot of things. You know, like I just rather just spend money on food because I love food and I love just (laughs) just taking my time to eat. I like new recipes. I love cooking. So my reasons for money is different. Of course, I need money to pay for the apartment that I live in and, you know, traveling and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, this idea of consumerism should be a very interesting thing that we need to explore as people. Because when you look around in society, 
you have a lot of advertisements that's coming at you every day. So with these advertisements, it's a good engineering program for you to want to then find out what that advertisement is about and then to actually partake on it because you want to buy that product. So it's a win-win situation. You get what they you get what you want, they get your money. That's the whole preference of like capitalism. Like so sit back and relax. I'm about to break some stuff down. Feel me? Alright. So I was thinking to myself again with this Popeyes incident. In my opinion, I think we've could have took time to do something better with our money. You know, I really go on the fence of saying that a lot of the businesses that cater towards so-called African-Americans are not there for the sole purpose of helping African-Americans. But instead of using, you know, these harmful foods, in my opinion, it was stereotypes that was related with this trend in which they was able to succeed and actually be 100 percent right on that. They knew that they could get this type of targeted audience to buy their chicken sandwich. It doesn't sound ridiculous. It actually sounds right because you know the stereotype that comes with the idea of Popeye's chicken and more beyond the actual bird. (laughs) So with that being said, I hear reports of people standing online for three hours and, you know, they're being out of the, the sandwiches and people fighting the employees over the sandwiches and then certain other people who went on social media and made a whole big scene about getting these chicken sandwiches and then these this whole thing about the boondocks episode the references and stuff like that some people were saying predictive programming whatever you guys think i want to talk about this in depth because this is a symbolism for not only spending money but this is a symbolism for target marketing When it comes to target marketing, the idea is that sometimes you're sampling a a group in a sample of people to sell a product and see how they're going to react to it. Of course, there's internal meetings that they have at these offices, CEOs and all this other stuff have them so they could talk about launching a new product and then testing it out. And sometimes they might they might take samples like i forgot how it is there's different ways there's different samplings of how you sample which target market you're trying to achieve so let's say okay let's just take the chicken sandwich for example let's just say and i'm going to use new york city for a reference okay they say because this is this is what was said on this whole thing about the popeyes franchise they usually target the urban market which means synonymously black people. They try to go for black people. They want to get black people, you know, for their products and this, that, and the third. And they use chicken in order to do that because they know black people love chicken. Listen, I'm not demonizing anybody for eating Popeyes because even though my diet is different from everybody's now, I used to eat Popeyes. Their chicken strips was bomb. Their fries was bomb. Their biscuits wasn't all that. (laughs) And... Their soda was dope. I used to, I used to put in, I used to, I used to do weird stuff, yo. I used to do um, Sprite and iced tea with with my with my meal. So I used to get the chicken strips and I used to get the um, 
I used to get the chicken strips with the french fries a lot. And then the biscuits. I mean, no, biscuits actually was good. I liked the biscuits from Popeyes. I used to have it with the jelly. And they used to have the different colored jellies. I mean, different flavor jellies. So anyway, getting back to my point. They, they say an urban market which synonymously means black people. They want to come to black neighborhoods because they know that black the black circulation of the dollar generates in hours. It doesn't generate in days. It generates in hours. So as much as you guys talk about, oh, I'm going to protest and this, that, and a third, they already have the vision, the future, like black people are still going to spend his money in our shop. You already know, like, if you're going to be a, such a rebel and this, that, and a third, like, we still have gonna gonna have people that's gonna shop at our shop. So with this Popeye's controversy, let's just say it is a chicken sandwich. They take time on trying to understand what's the goal of it, what are they trying to do, how successful can it be, what are the campaigns that we can use in order to get people, specifically black people, to buy our products. So there's a whole range of things that they use. Technology is one of them, obviously, because technology is running our lives right now. You have the phone, you have the laptop, you have the computer, you have the TV. You know, you have a lot of things at the circuit right now that you could use in order to conjure up promo. Promo back in the days was primarily TV. But you always want to make your advertisements and the way that you're selling stuff look attractive. So in my whole experience about what they've been trying to do i'm sorry let me get into my point so you could use things on social media like promoting music funny commercials using actors to promote your products and um doing different things sponsorships and this that and a third to 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 promo your product in this case what is it that you can do use on social media to do that and once you're successful with doing that you start to see a big clientele. But before that, you do test out the chicken sandwich or the products. I don't know how you do it. It's something that they usually do. Like they have meeting grounds or they'll select people to taste the sandwich and this, that, and the third. It's been in movies before. They'll select people to taste the sandwich. What is it? What is it? What's good about it? What's bad about it? Leave a review. Put a, a star one and a star five or whatever and stuff like that to get a response on how the chicken sandwich is or the products right so with that being said after that you know they'll go ahead and select the target market that they want they'll start knowing what the traffic is in these different areas where people live and release the chicken sandwiches out to that different places or the products in that different places because they know the traffic is going to be large again Popeye's you can't get mad at Popeyes because they knew exactly what they was doing. The urban market means black and they understand that the black target market, the dollar generates every hour. So they're going to take here in New York City, for example, black neighborhoods that they know is going to give them numbers is places like the borough of the Bronx, different sections in the Bronx. They know that they could get black people to buy Popeyes in the Bronx, Harlem. Um, Jamaica, Queens, Queensbridge, even though I haven't seen a Popeye's in Queensbridge, I haven't seen it. Um, Jamaica, Queens, uh, 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 Brooklyn and certain parts of Staten Island and Jersey, Newark, uh, uh, Jersey City. Uh, I don't think Hoboken is black, but, you know, Newark is the main place. They, they you know that, they, you know, people, there's Popeye's in Newark. 
and in long in different places of Long Island, probably Roosevelt, you know, Central Islip, Wyandanche, and this, that, and the third. So there's a lot of places in Westchester, Yonkers, and this, that, and third. So that's just black neighborhoods that I might know in New York. So with that being said, they know by promoting these sandwiches over there that black people were going to buy it and that they could make a killing off of it. But this is the trick, too. Black people or people in general fall into the trend because then it's this whole thing about being so happy that you have this chicken sandwich because it's a trend. And we've been bamboozled into thinking these trends are actually helping us and we're having fun and we're having a good time. Everything is a business. So I've recognized a lot of what these franchises have tried to do. And the thing about it is, is that we've created, I think essentially with these food corporations now, they've been creating a campaign of beefing with each other in a style of hip hop. Now you understand how hip hop works. You know, hip hop is notoriously known for having beefs. So they've been able to capitalize off of that in general and been able to conjure up a fun little fake beef between franchises and this, that, and the third in order to sell products. Case in point, Wendy's had came out with a mixtape last year where they was like, the mixtape was called What's Beef? And with What's Beef mixtape, you had selectively uh, a black female. It sounded like the voice sounded like a woman that might have been an African-American female, so-called. Created this mixtape called What's Beef? And they put it out into the circuit on the Internet. You know, they've already made it trendy with the whole idea of Twitter fingers. So now you have Wendy's going back to forth with different corporations and they're beefing back, 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 you know, sharing little insults and this and the third. A lot of people think it's funny. A lot of people think that, you know, oh, it's cool. You know, like, oh, yo, yo, did you hear Wendy's is beefing with McDonald's and beefing with Burger King and beefing Popeye's? Recently, in this whole entire thing about the chicken sandwich, Wendy's also talked about how I think something like Popeyes or something like that was um was a little bit too salty, was sounding a little bit too thirsty or dry on the biscuits or something like that. It's funny, it's relatable, but at the same time, there is a little bit of racism that comes into that. And I don't want to be the person that spoils the party. But they take the vernacular of African-Americans language and how we are stereotyped to speak in order to lure in more black people to buy in their products. And that's exactly essentially what they're doing now. So I only give you all a heads up because, again, it goes back to it being a business. We're trying to find ways to target the urban market. So whoever we can have to introduce us to how black people speak and introduce us to how Spanish people speak, how white people speak, how different races of nationalities of people speak. We will use that in order to promo our product. You know, I have the saying every single time I say it, that black people are subjected, subjected to being the guinea pigs of the society. They use us and exploit us for everything. And that's only because they want to make more dollars. And with that being said, that is the reason why they've won on this campaign about these products but this isn't just about food franchises i'm just trying to tell this to you because and let's be honest i know a lot of people's gonna get mad at me about this but they also use the lgbtq community for you know stuff too you know they'll go along with the love is love campaign and this that and the third don't get mad at me about this they will put the gay flag on their corporations in order to lure in 
gay customers into their franchises. This is just mere fact. This is not me hating. This is mere fact. Like certain businesses really don't care that you're gay. They don't care that you're a homosexual. They don't care. They're just using you because of the fact of the matter they know that they can make dollars off of your people. So of course they'll have like what is it Ben and Ben and Jerry's. You know, they'll say little things about, you know, love is love and this, that, and the third. They'll promote a flavor called the Big Gay Ice Cream. And they'll promote flavors where it's the rainbow because it's about attracting customers. And when you're attracting customers, you're going to have to try to find a way to get them to be lured into your product. It's all a mind craft. And I mean that M-I-N-D craft. Crafting your mind, right? So with crafting your mind, you're being stimulated into automatically giving your dollars to this company because they fit an interest that you like it's just like if a company right now was like oh yo you like music will if you buy one of our products right we'll give you we'll give you um some stuff for your music we'll give you a keyboard for your music I'm going to be interested because I love music. Or we'll give you a notebook so you can write a journal. You know what I'm saying? Little things is going to interest people. And that's what, what it's all about with these franchises. So with Popeyes, black people, I love you. I just ask that you guys be more militant on how you spend your money. And to do a little bit of, about advertising and marketing classes. That's all I ask. Because we are in a position where, you know... The campaign of 2020, everybody tries to even camp, even these candidates and these politicians that try to run for president. They are also trying to appeal to certain people to get them to vote for them. Case in point, again, my last my last example, probably. I was pissed off this year by that candidate, Peter Buttigieg, the openly gay president. Not because he's gay, not because he's gay. That's not what I was mad about. What I was mad about is that he had came to Harlem, 125th Street, off the three train to go to Sylvia's and ordered fried chicken, collard greens, mac and cheese in order to see what it's like eating for the average black person. And then reeled in Al Sharpton in order to see how he can win the black vote. That is advertisement. That is marketing. That is strategic marketing on trying to see what loose, this case, stereotypes of black people could he use to understand black people in order to reel in a vote. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why I was pissed. Because every single time these non-black people come to Harlem, excluding gentrifiers, Every time they come to Harlem, they come to Sylvia's to try to understand black people as if only black people eat soul food. It has been the market of whatever hours been, but everybody knows that soul food is slave food because it comes from slavery. Anyway, my point is, is that that's also a way of advertising yourself, of trying to lure in our people or lure in different groups of people by understanding how they eat, how they move, and what is it that they like and what interests them. So with that being said, there's another segment I'm going to dig into so that you guys can really better understand consumerism because it just isn't the, the blank stare of like, oh, products, this, that, and the third. It's money. And I want us to understand on this episode, we need to be smarter with our money choices. All people, 
but primarily you know i make these podcasts to to lure in my black people i'm advertising to my black people listen to this podcast so you can understand how to better be a soldier in war when it comes to this capitalist system okay So, if you didn't know by now, you know that the title of this is called Times Square Consumerism. We are still under the brink of the American tour. American tour is really about to come to a swift close soon. Uh, Man, season two, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, I I thank everybody who listened. That's just a quick shout out. But now I want to dig deep. I want to kind of just get into your minds for a second. With this idea of consumerism... The reason I get irritated as a millennial is because the fact of the matter that the essential things that we need in life, I didn't start learning until I was in my early 20s. I'm still in my 20s now. And with living the way that I'm living, especially living in an expensive city like New York, there's so much stuff that comes into question. That's just like, well, why wasn't I offered this when I was younger? And why didn't I learn this when I was younger? Why do I have to learn about it now? And why am I learning it at this pace? It just seems a little bit out of place. So, like I said before, everything is a business. College is a business. School is a business. Um, I mean, even daycares is a business to take care of your child. Um, everything is a business. Lyft is a business. I only say that because I just, <laughs> just recently wrote in that thing. Everything in life in this society is a business. There's no barter system and we can't trade like we used to. We're giving promissory notes to people just to tell them, like, I promise to give you this in exchange for the item that I need. So essentials, you know, there's a way of doing things in a society where we all can get the money that we want. We all can make the incomes that we so desire. I'm not intimidated by class, the class system again. The working class, the middle class, the rich. Because regardless of any way you look at it, I sometimes blame the rich because the rich has a hold on society and it's less of them. And they take favors and they do grimy things to get where they need to go. Us, we don't have it like that. We got to work. We got to, you know, work paycheck to paycheck. We're trying to find our ways. So in this segment, I kind of just want to dig a little bit at millennials a little bit. Like, how you feeling? Like, financially, how are you feeling? Like, do you feel like you're ready to do all the stuff that you have to do? More than likely, you're working at a job that you don't want to work at. You hate it. You're just kind of like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I hate the job that I work at. And you know that I'd say that it's true. I hate the job. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But um, I kind of just want to get into the solutions that America needs to do, which is loosely like I think they know what they're doing. They don't want to do it because they know that if they have a powerful generation that wants to make change and that a lot of us start owning our own businesses, the job force is going to be lack thereof because there's not going to be a lot of people working. We're going to have to be self-sufficient on making our own income by doing what we need to do. So you ever have thought about it as a child, they always ask you, what is it that you want to be with you when you've grown up? Everybody always has an answer for it. They'd be like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. Oh, I want to be an actor. Oh, I want to be a singer. The thing that I think about now, and especially growing up in a neighborhood where finances is not, it's its always common for the mother in the, in the father household 
for them to be working two, three jobs. And even if you're raised by a single mother, the mother working two jobs in order to provide for her son or her daughter. This is mere fact. Um, you ever notice we never had any financial literacy classes growing up? Like never, like like we never really grasped the concept of money. Like we understood what it was like to kind of have an allowance, but we never were taught by these standards what it's like to manage money. And it's ironic because I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and they was like, "Yeah, we have financial literacy classes down by where we live," and I'm like, "Well, damn! Like in New York, you go to public school or you go to, um." You go to certain schools like I've never been to a public school like I've never actively ever went to a public school. I went to Catholic school and even in Catholic school, Catholic school, public school or whatever schools I was always uptown. They never had financial literacy classes. You never learned about it. You know, they were more focused on trying to understand what your reading level was than what it was like for you to manage your money. This is mere fact. And just on a side note for a second, the education system is racist. They are racist. If you didn't understand it by now, they are totally racist. I can go on about how they give these treatments out to these people and try to put them on autism and try to sit here and say autism, this, that, and the third. I can go on for days and sit here and talk about that, but I'm not going to do that. Like autism, it would be relative to putting them in special ed and then about how they try to make it seem like, you know, kids in special ed are basically vegetables. You know, I, I have no shame in my game, you know, like, you know, I, you know, I felt out of place for a long time when it came to the education system and feeling like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, f- I feel like something is wrong with me because I don't learn, I don't learn the same way that other people learn. And then you hear me talk today and you're like, really, place? And I'm like, yeah, that was my life, bro. So, uh, you know, this is an interesting statistic I looked up online before I did this podcast. So it says in the U.S., 16.4 percent of students u.s students are required to take financial literacy classes this is at the rate in 2019 i guess but 76 percent of millennials lack financial literacy why do you think that is we were taught to go to school go to college and then get a job make sure you pay off that that college debt whenever you have the chance to and then live the american dream Well, let me tell you something, America, spelled with three Ks, the American dream is dead. Ain't nobody trying to go on for that whole entire thing about living in suburbs with a white picket fence and a golden retriever and having like two, three kids running out in the front yard after you mowed and lawn, after you mowed the lawn and having a backyard with a treehouse. American dream is dead. You know, people from the suburbs is moving to the city. You understand what I'm saying? Because they feel like it's more essential to live in a city because there's something always there's always something to do. And then you get to, you know, travel because especially in New York, the subway system is so extensive and they run 24 hours a day. So you already know how that goes. My thing is, is that us as millennials is put in in a difficult spot. Again, all races I include to this, but you know I make this podcast towards black people. Um, you know, some people, let's just say, yeah, have it easier than we do. And a lot of them, a lot of us don't know the basic necessities of financial literacy. We don't. You have some people who are put up on these things called trust funds, 
where parents rack up the money are able to pay for their kids education and able to pay for their kids to help out help them out in the rent in these new condos or new buildings or new apartments <laughs> some of us don't got it like that some of us don't know the the essentials or what it's like to spend um save money how to develop a campaign into your retirement fund having a life life um life insurance and this that and third and let me tell you family i don't say this because i know everything i'm actually learning right now how to manage this stuff because i need to you know um i just think that we i think i i I would propose and i and i know for sure none of these candidates have mentioned it even the dumbass mayor that we have in new york city mayor de blasio ain't mentioned it because he don't mention not a damn thing um, we need more financial literacy classes taught in school. And I'm talking about an elementary school, high school. In college, I had a breeze of what it was like. That's why I always understand the ideas of assets and liabilities. I understand what that's about. I understand what it's like. I understand, you know, like deductions and this, that, and the third. I understand that because I took that as a course when I was in, in college. My first college and the second college, I did marketing as a business, uh, marketing business major. So I'm familiar with a lot of terms. So I'm like, okay, I get this. We need marketing. We need those essentials. We need financial literacy classes. We need them. We need them in all communities, not just in communities where it's serving select few of people based on their nationalities or because that that neighborhood is a makeup of certain people. Financial education should be required in all schools. It doesn't matter if it's public, parochial, private, whatever. It should be required in all schools. And I think it is a very disheartening thing that these financial literacy classes isn't offered there. You're you're fetched on an idea that you have to learn it on your own and you know if you work hard if you're working like 70 to 90 hours a week and tiring yourself out you are on a way of becoming rich because you have done the hard work in america's eyes to get where you needed to be and you didn't take no slack there's people out here who try their damn hardest trying to survive out here and i swear they deserve a medal they deserve a medal or how much they they put up with stuff because I will never understand what it's like to be in their shoes. I'm not a lazy man. I'm not I'm not a person who stays on their ass all day. I look for opportunities to make money. I look for opportunities to 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 gravitate and elevate, you know? I look I look for ways to to do better than what it is that I'm doing always. And there's certain people out there that won't take that step, unfortunately. But if we had the the the, the privilege and we had the, the the opportunity to learn finances in different financial centers around the city or just around the country. If we was able to understand money when we were kids and understanding that in these schools, if you had somebody that was from a bank, if you had someone that used to be in a business and used to, you know, own stuff or people who's in real estate or, you know, was in a business type of setting and they decided to teach and they offered financial literacy classes to our students. I think speaking from a 90s kids experience, I think I would be a little bit more comfortable with my financial situation. I wouldn't have to feel like I got to go get it and I got to find places on my own because I'm not a stagnant person. I don't like sitting here staying like staying in the same situation all day long. Like I'm tired. <laughs> I want better for myself and you should too. 
everybody in this in this society whatever whoever you are should want better you shouldn't want to sit here in the same spot and be like oh well i want to do the same thing over and over again it gets tedious after a while you're like this is whack it's just like it's just like um i find this funny but it's it's true it's like when you're so used to going to work right let's just say like you're a manhattanite you're always in manhattan you always know about events in manhattan you get a little bit bored about what's going on in Manhattan. Yo, I take the same train every day. Yo, let me take this train. Oh, shoot. It goes express from this stop to this stop. Oh, shoot. They got events in Brooklyn. Oh, they got... I didn't know they had this stuff in Queens. Staten Island, I didn't know it was just a ferry. They got a lot of stuff out here. So you start to become curious about things that surround you. You start to become curious about what is it that is going on because you're so used to the okie doke. You want different. And that's what I'm trying to make you understand about when it comes to financing and financial literacy. People are tired of going to schools and not being able to understand finances on their own accord. Yo, give me that. I want that. Give me a program so I can understand that. And there's people who get curious. And I think that's the great thing about our generation. We're tired. We're we're curious. We want to try different things. We don't want to keep doing the same things over and over again. Let's do something different. So... The fact of the matter, it's 76% that lack financial literacy, and I may loosely be included in this. You know, I don't want to depend on the government for everything. You know, I want to be able to take vacations, different places. I want to be able to do different things for myself. And I mean, I've had the ability to travel different places on the Western Hemisphere so far. (laughs) So I'm happy about that. I've been able to go out to different cities by myself, you know, with a friend. And I want to continue that. But I also want to feel financially secure. So I think the step that we should take is, you know, I think America, and if there's anybody out here who's listening, I might be in a higher upper position. I'm not asking, but you should have financial literacy classes for students. And don't make it about race. Don't make it about what neighborhoods is serving what community in this and third everyone deserves it black people deserve it okay latino people deserve it you know i just find it unfair especially when you look at the the the, the um makeup of neighborhoods about how you'll see a lot of foreign investors that come into black communities especially they'll set up bodega shops um you know grocery stores you know, they'll have 99 cent stores, they'll have hair care stores, they have all this other stuff, and it's not owned by black people. As opposed when you go to white neighborhoods and sometimes Latino neighborhoods, it'll be owned by their people. And I find it very ironic because at the same time, you know, the stereotypes comes in about certain groups of people, specifically black people. Oh, y'all don't own nothing. Y'all don't got nothing. Da 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 da. We was never offered that opportunity though. So how could you sit there and say, like, this is all our fault? But us, us as black people, we, we need to do a better j- job, too. We don't have to always sit here and say, oh, it's the government's fault. We have the opportunity to make something. We do. We do. We do. And I'm and I'm not saying it has to be drastic. I'm not telling you you automatically have to have a business. You order, like You can find different ways of making money. You can. And I definitely do think that we are in general, we'll have the opportunity to do that. And, you know, we shouldn't get involved in stuff that's only going to be good for an hour and only going to be good for a digestion system and going only going to be good for that one moment and, you know, all that other stuff. So let me rip into the last segment about the mind state of how we should move. So...
All right. On an individual level, I've realized something. I've realized that by starting off small, you actually can get into where you want out of life. Manifest manifestations, whatever you want to call it. So with me, I keep a finance journal. I started realizing what we all need to do is start realizing what do we spend our money on? What is it that we usually spend stuff on? To avoid being broke, let's have a system where you only spend enough amount of money over a stretch of your paychecks for two weeks or one week, however you get paid, direct deposit, and find out a way of paying yourself first. And then from paying yourself, finding out ways of how you can save money, put money in a jar, bank, whatever have you, and find out ways that you can maneuver from the present situation you're in now. I'm doing it slowly. It takes time. I'm manifesting and I'm really manifesting for me to be better at this financial stuff. So in the future, I'll be fine. Regardless if the stock market crashes again and there's another um, situation like how it was in 2008, I still want to be able to feel comfortable enough when it comes to money. Because at this moment right now, I am uncomfortable with money. I'm smart enough to know exactly how to kind of move with it, but I know I'm uncomfortable. So... You know, sometimes you do have to give up that time of seeing these sales for sneakers, clothes, and this, that, and the third. But the idea of what I've been saying in the beginning of this episode was when it comes to consumerism, it's all about emotion, impulse, of trying to find ways on grabbing the customer so you could attract them to do things. I've noticed this also. It is sexist as well. They will use women usually to sell a product more than they will men. The only way it will work with men is if you're really attractive. But usually they'll use women to sell products because they understand that women, you're going to want to look at a woman more than you're going to look at a man. So uh, with that being said, the smart tips that I could offer for people that's really in the mindset of trying to change your ways when it comes to money. And I think this is very important. Yes, we need to take financial literacy classes. Find out if they have a financial workshop in your area. Talk to people. Or if your parents might know a little something about money, ask them. That's the way that we're going to move. Us as millennials, we got to move like that. Otherwise than that, try to understand how much you spend. What you spend it on. Is it really worth it to buy this instead of buying that? Um... You know, if you want to invest, I would say invest with friends. I want to give a good shout out to a couple of people and our brothers and sisters that I've seen in Brooklyn. They have a a, a grocery store. No more ox spots. You know what I'm saying? They got a grocery store. In my neighborhood, we have black businesses and I always try to make sure that I always support and I give my money to it before I give my money to anybody else. And that's true. Um. You know, it's all about trying to trying to understand if you got friends and y'all trying to franchise a business, whether it be clothing, whether it be owning a restaurant, whether it be owning a grocery store. You know, the mere fact of the matter is, is that, you know, let's figure out a plan. How can we save up money? Because merely what you what you really want to do, I think usually is about saving money so you can live comfortable. You don't have to worry about this, that and the third. You could be straight like, oh, I ain't got to worry about nothing. I got all my stuff. You know, musicians, I mean, and a lot of people have to understand there's a lot of things that happen in society. They don't tell you rappers be broke <laughs> as much as they flex and as much as they talk about, yo, I got money. Nah, you you broke, bro. You, you broke. And the thing about it is the key is not having one total income. Now, if you could do that with the salary job that's paying you, God bless. God bless. Because I think that's a great thing. But I think more often than not, 
I even think Millionaire Secret, they don't just abide by one income. They have supplemental mints, supplements of income. So they're not just doing one business. They got two, they got three, they got four, but they have one as their backbone to move forward. And I think we need to get into that same mindset. I'm trying to get into that mindset, to be honest with you, family. And I won't tell you the business ventures that I want to embark on, but um, I definitely do feel like, you know, that's my main goal right now is to move efficiently and, you know, have different streams of income because I don't want to focus on just having one income. They ain't going to help me at all. It's going to probably hurt me. You know, and I'm trying to get out of a pool of the whole idea of brokenness and this, that, and third. I don't even like sitting here saying stuff like, oh, I'm broke or this person's broke. You know, it's the state of mind. It, it wears you down. You know that words are spirit conjurers and they are manipulators of emotions. And that is something I'm going to get at later, probably in season three of Finally Podcasting. But so far, family, if you guys right now are stressed out about money or you you have the mindset that you want to change your circumstances, all I can say to you is that I'm very proud of you and then I want you to do better and I want to do better and I am going to do better when I get to that point. And as for it be whatever it is, regardless if we don't like America, we got to live by their rules. We live here, you know, we have to do what we have to do until we move to a different country and we start studying up on what the countries over there is doing. You have to live on American soil. And then unfortunately, we have to play by Americans' rules. So with that being said, you know, I hope you guys, you know, find a way, you know, past Labor Day that we start to start manifesting more of our dreams and our wants, especially when it comes to finances, especially as we embark on 2020. And with that being said, family, I hope you have a good Labor Day. Enjoy it. Uh, peace and hair grease.